Look at 31 through 34, and then I'm going to go over to Ezekiel and look at 36, 22 through 28. So let's get a look for Jeremiah 31. And you find that to stand in our God's honor as I read from the text. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. And they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor. Or a man his brother. Saying know the Lord. Because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. Declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness. And will remember their sins. No more. Go over a couple of books. To the book of Ezekiel. As we look at Ezekiel 36. And. 22-28 Therefore, say to the house of Israel, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I'm the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a right spirit in you. I'll remove from your heart of stone and give you heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws you will live in the land I gave your forefathers you will be my people and I will be your God let's pray father thank you for your word we need new hearts and you provide a new spirit and we have the promise of a new covenant Uh, Thank you for all three, Father. Tonight, as we look at these, remind us that as a result, God, we have been given a new beginning. It's one thing I love about you, God. Each day is a new day. Your word says that your mercies are in you every morning. How awesome that is. Father, uh, just speak to us through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I guess this is kind of a New Year's message in a sense with New Year right around the corner and and talking about what it means to have that new, fresh walk with the Lord. Resolutions seldom kept because they're harder than we anticipate. I mean, it sounds great to do all this stuff, but usually when we start the process, it's like, man, I didn't know this was going to be so tough. Um, we have a little garden spot uh, beside our house, and I remember when we first got the idea because you know we thought, well, this would be a good place to put a garden, 
So I went out there and started trying to dig up with a shovel and uh, prepare to get in there with our little manis tiller. Well, I started working, and man, that was hard ground. I thought, this is not working too well. And there was this big root right in the middle of the place where I want, you know, where we wanted to put this garden. So I said, well, I'll take care of you, buddy. I, I went out there, and I, I got me a, a pick, and I started, you know, I'm going to tear that thing out. Wore me out. I said, this is not working. So then I said, well, um, I'm going to get a chain. I'm going to attach it to my pickup truck. I'll get you, buddy. I'm going to jerk you out of the ground. No more dealing with you. So I tried to hook that around the root. And, man, my truck was just spinning in the yard. That thing would not come out of the ground. So I thought, what am I going to do? Well, I turned to the man. The man. I'm, You know, I'm, I'm talking about old Jim, you know. And uh, good old Jim and Judy Long. So I said, Jim, I said, can you come over here? You got a bigger truck than me, and you got a bigger chain than I do. Can you get this root out? Preacher, I'll be over. So Jim came over there. He put that chain around that root, the other chain to his pickup truck. He took off, spinning in my yard. Jim said, well, preacher, I just can't believe this. He said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get my tractor. He said, that ain't stay. I said, it's a lot of work, Jim. He said, it's coming out of the ground. So a little bit later, because it take, took him about a half hour to drive the tractor over there. So Jim drives the tractor over there. and Man, he started. It took about a half hour. He was fighting with that thing. Jim said, you are coming out of that ground. He'd dig that thing under there and pull it this way. And then he'd get on this side and he'd push it. And then he'd push it and he'd pull. It took a while, but it came up. But it was a lot more work. Than I ever anticipated. Uh, As we look at what it means. To walk with the Lord. Look at some areas that. They're not just difficult. Without the very presence of God. They're impossible. And and we're going to look at these uh, this morning. Or this night. Okay Todd. Whatever part of the day it is. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So this all begins with a new heart. Uh, He had said in that covenant in Jeremiah, he's going to give us a new heart. Why is that so important? Because we all have heart disease. We have serious heart issues known as sin. Uh, It says in the book of Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In other words, I think I told you I've only got about two or three sermons in me, really. The first sermon is, we are all a mess. That includes you as well as me. We're all a mess. Second sermon is, but he's a great Savior. I guess the third sermon is just connected to you. (laughs) Great sinner meets an even greater Savior. Because that's, you know. But that heart issue is is a is a real problem the bible says for we have all sinned we've all fallen short of the glory of god and the way to deal with that is not nurse and rehearse sin not pet it and say will you just be a good boy and don't show out or or make a scene and just be calm because sin is not like that it, it takes control of our lives and it's like an addiction that we can't kick the habit 
We need help. You see, it's not merely about um, resuscitation. It's not like we got this heart problem and, and we need somebody to kind of jumpstart us. It's a lot more than that, guys. We need resurrection. The Bible says that we need to be come alive. That we're spiritually dead. We don't spiritually have the life. And God himself has to infuse life into us. Breathe life into us. And he has to give us that new heart. That's so critical. Um, Matthew 4.17 in the Amplified. He says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, crying out, repent. That is, change your mind for the better. Hardly amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins. This, this just gives a picture of what Jesus preached. And, and he cried out. He wanted people to hear this word. What he said, he said to repent. What's that mean? It means change your mind for the better. There's a thought process that has to be changed. We have to begin to think according to what God wants us to think about. We have to think about what's pleasing to Him instead of simply what pleases us. And that sinful nature loves to be nursed and rehearsed. But God wants to bring that resurrection life and it changes our thoughts for the better. He says, hardly amend your ways. When you change your thoughts, it affects the way you act. The decisions that you make. The, the actions you choose all come from that change of thinking. And as a result of that, he said that it leads to an abhorrence of past sins. In other words, uh, I like the way Billy Sunday put it. He said, we need to learn to treat sin like a rattlesnake instead of a cream puff. And he wants to give us that new heart. Um, I read about a ranger in the Rockies in southwestern Alberta, John Elliott, who um, had been out in the mountains, heavy snows, doing his rounds and... He came in, he was wet, he was tired, and he was so tired he didn't build a fire. And he didn't realize how cold he was. And he literally started freezing to death. And John, as he tells the story, says, you know, I would have frozen to death if it wasn't for the St. Bernard, who was my best friend, who was out there with me, who started to cry and bark and tug at John to wake him up in order to kind of snap him out of it so he would build a fire and be able to gain the warmth because he didn't realize how cold he was. He didn't even realize he was freezing to death because you know you just get to that point where it just kind of numbs you until you literally just fall asleep and die unless you are able to warm up. And he said, if it wasn't for that dog who came and warmed me up, I simply would have just went to sleep and not woke up. There are people out there that want to know what is life about. They hurt. They're messed up. Their relationships are not right. And they know they need help. But they don't know where to turn. And, and it's like they, they just don't have the answers. And God wants to provide help. He wants to give a new heart. It's it's not something that we can merely do. It's not a matter of us getting better. It's about God 
putting his righteousness in us. That's that new heart. Secondly, um, not only is there a new heart, a new spirit. Uh, in the text that we read, he promises that he will give a new spirit. Um, same word in another form speaks of breath. Of course, you take your breath away, you're not going to live too long. The way God has worked it out that we need air, we need oxygen, we need to breathe. And he instills that breath and that life in us. Just like a kite's not going to fly without the wind. We can't breathe without oxygen. So we need the very Spirit of God living within us to resurrect and give us life on that basis of being able to follow Him. Um, Now, I love Tony Evans' words. He said, God didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And when He makes His home within our heart, He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. He wants to be in control of our decisions because he loves us. He knows that we're not sharp enough to make the right decisions, so he helps us. And I love that. You know, as it talks about the Spirit of God, we find out those truths. And Galatians 5, 16, I'm using the Amplified a lot tonight, but I guess that longer thing's going on in my head. But uh, the Amplified, um, Galatians 5, 16, he says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. So so he's saying, you know, learn to walk and live under that guidance of the Spirit, to be responsive to, to, to develop an awareness so that you're familiar with God's promptings, with His Spirit, with His leading. So that he's able to guide you and, and, and give you strength so that you're not controlled by that sinful nature that leaves God out, that pushes God away, um, so that he might give the, the strength that we so desperately need. And, and so that's the spirit he provides. He gives us a new heart, not just resuscitation, but resurrection. Then he gives us his spirit. So that we have the very ability and capability to obey him and to follow him and to keep his commands. Because we can't do that apart from his very strength within us. And then third, we always need to keep before us that we are under a new covenant. A precious covenant. God has made a promise that is secure. That we can rest in. Um, you know, as I thought about this, I uh, looked up in the Bible dictionary. I know there's a lot of covenants in the Bible. I said, well, you know, I'm going to look up, see what we got in the Bible dictionary, and cover a few of these covenants as we get to this main covenant tonight. And a couple of these covenants. The first one, this is Hebrews 13.20. It speaks of the eternal covenant. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep. The covenant of the gospel lasts forever. You know, I love that in the King James, that John 10, 28 and 29, where Jesus says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. 
when we are in God's hand under his covenant, we're safe. It's not an idea of am I going to lose my salvation because he's holding on. We're in his hand. It's not our grip. It's the grip of grace. Max O'Kay's got a book, that grip of grace. There's the uh, covenant in Eden where, you know, God said, I'm putting you in charge of creation. And, you know, I know there's some that, wow, it's almost, well, really, it's creation is worshipped instead of the creator. And there is a difference between the creator and creation. But on the other hand, sometimes we uh, in evangelical Christianity are not good stewards of what God's given us. You know, it breaks my heart just to drive down the street and see all the trash on the side of the road. Or you go to the park and you, and you see trash in the creeks. And it's like, what are people thinking? This place that God has given us is precious and we need to take care of it. And guys, this is not a message that should be just merely outside the church. It should be among God's people. Because this place that God has given us, He said, I want you to be a steward of it. And in that covenant, you know, He, he said, let us make mankind in our image and likeness. And, and of course, He created us. And, and then He says in verse 28 that God blessed them. And He said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, every living creature. And then there's the Adamic covenant in Genesis and of course that's the sin entering the picture Uh, we know that as the fall where there's the garden where there's this place that God has created for mankind to thrive and to walk with him in the coolness of the day and Satan comes in there and he sends the serpent and of course this curse emerges And all seems hopeless as there's so much pain. And yet there's a ray of light there because even there in that Adamic um, covenant, we see God saying that that hill's going to be crushed. That there will be victory down the line. And we know that that's a foreshadow, that's a picture, that's a prophecy of Christ and how he conquered it at the cross. And then there's the Noah, the covenant with Noah. And, of course, we know God looked around. He said, man just did what was right in his own eyes. Didn't listen to God. No room for God. And so man said, I'm sick of this. I'm going to flood the place out. We'll just wipe out life. But God, in his mercy, he spares Noah. He spares those on the ark. And they come back. And in in, uh, Genesis 8 and 9, we read about his promises and he gets off the boat, and uh, I know me loving uh, meat like I do. It was interesting in Genesis 9. He said, not only do I give you those green vegetables to eat, but I give you everything, you know, which includes some meat, so some steak or sheep or whatever there, to, uh, that, that you can use for food. And then, of course, he goes on and he says, he repeats that as he did in Eden, that, you know, you need to take care of this place. You, you need to be a good steward and then he says, I promise I will never wipe out the world again by flooding. And, and so there's obviously that covenant. And then the covenant with Abraham where he says, I am going to bless all nations through you, Abraham. And, you know, I just love that that, that covenant with Abraham because he says, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a place 
I've got to show you this place. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. He left what was comfortable, what was convenient to him, and he took off to honor God. And there's a verse in, in uh, Genesis 12, 3. It says, Abraham, you will be a blessing to all people. Isn't that? You know, I hadn't really thought about that so much. I was thinking on this message. We think about God who says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You're going to, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham, I'm going to do this. But then I thought, you're going to be a blessing. Isn't that a great prayer? God, make me a blessing to other people. Where the tension doesn't always have to come this way, but that teach me so that it can go out this way. Um, then the Mosaic Covenant, of which, of course, is the law. And, and boy, the law can be tough because what the law shows us is I can't keep the law. I remember, uh, I think it was Tony Evans that said the laws, it's just like a mirror. You know, when you get up in the morning, you, you don't take the mirror and brush your teeth with it. You don't take the mirror and comb your hair with it. What do you do with the mirror? You look in the mirror and see how you look. And usually, we need some changes. But the purpose of that is to give you a clear picture of what you really look like. And that's the way the law works. The law shows us how we really look before God. Uh, and then there's the covenant when they got ready to enter the promised land of Deuteronomy 31 through 10. And in this covenant, he said, there are blessings that will await you guys, but they're conditioned upon you following me. And I thought of that today. There's so many people who are hurting because decisions are not made to follow God. There's so much of God's judgment. He doesn't have to do anything but sit and watch. As people make decisions that are against his plans and his will. And people get hurt. And with sin. And then the Davidic covenant. Um, of course where it talks about King David. And there will be somebody perpetually upon the throne of God. And uh, in Luke. I want to just read a verse out of Luke chapter 1. In regard to that. Oh, the covenant. Um, verse 31, he says, Luke 1, 31, it says, You will be with child, talking with to Mary, and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So God's promise and his blessing to King David of a king on the throne would be ultimately fulfilled in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, a covenant that we enjoy, that we are blessed with. And, of course, that brings us simply to the new covenant. Remember, Jesus said in the passage of Scripture, it talks about the Lord's Supper. He says, I am providing you a new covenant, a covenant in my blood. This new covenant comes only one way through the cross. Comes only one way through his death, through his ultimate sacrifice. That's the only way the covenant comes to us is through the work that he completed, not through our work. Um, all right. As I uh, close with that, a new beginning. We need a new heart. He gives us a new heart as a result. There's a new spirit that guides us and leads us. And then we can look back at a new covenant where we find strength 
and and we remember that we're loved and, and there's a, a basis, a foundation when we look to that new covenant. And of course that leads us to that new beginning that he wants us to have and that he wants us to enjoy. Um, I got to thinking about this with Isaiah 40. Let's see. Yeah, Isaiah 43, 19. This is a great chapter. And through this chapter, God is bringing comfort to his people. Even though uh, it's kind of interesting because the caption right before Isaiah 43 here, (laughs) it says Israel blind and deaf. We're often still blind and deaf, aren't we? But as you come through Isaiah 43, and he gives all these blessings about he'll be with you. Then he keeps coming back to saying, but you're not listening, guys. You're not listening. And as you go through chapter 43, you see that over and over. But I want to focus on verse 19, a verse I learned a long time ago. It caught my attention as I thought about this tonight. God's speaking. uh, I'll start verse 18. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Yeah, they're messed up. But God says, don't live there. Don't live in the past. Don't live in your failures, the former things. Do not dwell there. Don't let that be what consumes and controls you guys. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Then verse 19, he goes on. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. God, open our eyes. That we can see that you're up to something. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. And he says, now it springs up. (laughs) Do you perceive it? Do do you sense it? Are you you aware of it? He says, do you perceive it? And and I love it. As he goes on here, he says, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Man, what a comfort because so much of life you just feel like you're in the in the desert. Or in another translation I read, the wilderness. It's just like, God, I have no idea what you're doing. And I have no idea where I am or what I'm supposed to do. And it's a comfort to know that in the midst of that, he says, don't dwell on the past mess you made. He says, I'm doing a new thing. He, he says, it springs up. He says, I'll make the way through the wilderness. I'll make the way through the desert. Just follow. And he says, in streams in the wasteland, where we're thirsty and where we need to be strengthened and, and where we just need thirst quenched. And he says, I'm willing to provide that. I'm willing to give that to you. So through a new year, he wants to give us the new heart, new spirit, new covenant that leads to a new beginning. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Too often, God, we get stuck and we need to be reminded that you are the God that provides us with a new heart, God. Forgiven and clean. And a new spirit to lead us and to guide us by your very presence. And we need to be reminded about that new covenant, Lord. It's not about how faithful we are, but how faithful you are. 
And each day needs to be that new beginning. And as we face 2015, Lord, give us strength, Father, to remember these wonderful truths. I don't know what you're up to, but may we say yes to you tonight, Father. To listen to your voice and to follow you however you may lead, God. May we be aware of your voice. Help us listen. Help us follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.